And we're live. I feel like this new year, no one's going to go to Times Square. Everywhere. Like the balls can drop and be like, thank God. <laughs> They're gonna I've, done, I've done the last two New Year's in New York, and I'm sad. I mean, I'm going to be in Florida for this New Year's. Yeah. So. As if, like, our concept of time and date will have any effect on the natural disasters <laughs> that have been occurring. That's true. Everybody will just stay outside and just throw a middle finger up. That'll be the end of 2020. Boom. We need to sacrifice so, something to make all this stop. Episode 43, kids. Of 43-ish. 43-ish. Ish. Unless you count the Instagram live sessions. Mm-hmm. Looking for oh. revenge. So for those of you listening to this and not watching it, we have guests. We have Summer. From Defago Reptiles. Yep. And we have Ryan Cox. What up? The Flair uh, of the South. I don't know about He's that. I don't know about that now. More like the uh, the greatest gutter tier uh, specialized group. fauna, Ryan Cox. <laughs> well, that's right. it, is. it is specialized fauna. Forgive me for that. Oh, it ain't no big deal. Ain't nothing on there anyway except for pictures of snakes. It's what we do. That's why we're here. <clears throat> So, I feel like I need to pick up a smoking habit if I want to talk to you too. You really should. Yeah. I'm pissed that I missed your one cigarette of the year at Daytona. No, you gave me a cigarette at Daytona. We smoked one together. When was that? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was Saturday night. That was the night of the, the beach and the and yeah. the, the drinking and the vodka. Of the debauchery, yeah. The debauchery, that's why I don't no comment. Oh, you see my shirt there, Phil? Oh, check it out, son. Check it out. That's good. The Nepura Rus Initiative. And everyone's like, what's Nepuraras? Like they're geckos that forgot to see. These, yeah, it's like these geckos that look like someone took a soldering iron to their tail and it's like a piece of hair and it just like curled up. <laughs> it looks like they got a zit on the end of their tail. Yeah. I don't like how accurate that is. <laughs> I don't like it's like a zit on the end of the tail. <laughs> Dan joins yeah, in. It is. Wap. Just WAP. WAP. Yeah. Wild Wacky ass pythons. Jinx. That's it. Right there. That's it. Tell you no. We were meant to be friends. What is that? What is what? That thing in your hand. Oh, it's an apple. It's an apple. Oh, yeah. for like iPads and stuff. Is it made of real apples? No, actually, it's made out of uh, watermelon. Really? Nice. So, Surprise, yeah. it's not pink. No, it actually looks like a pineapple. They have to keep it incognito. Yeah, yeah, discreet. Discretion yeah. is the name of our game. If, if you're not careful, you'll get turned to a pina colada so fast. Is it wrong that I find virgin pina coladas ungodly delicious? But it's not a pineapple What's that? It's just a smoothie. Like, no, a pina colada. It's an icy, Phil. It's a fucking icy. It is an icy. It is. Hi, Carly Jones. I love my Carly life. Jones in the house. Carly we a child together. Carly wussed out and should be on the show right now, but she is a wuss. I didn't join. Don't make we're not mad. Bad. We're just disappointed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
We're just let down. Yeah, we're just disappointed. Isma, my cat, is slowly making her way into the living room. And her favorite thing to do is to jump on my computer, so I'm just waiting. And she puked, she puked on my computer when we were in Daytona. That's terrifying. That's yeah. She's the worst. But I can't return her. I've had her for 30 days from the shelter, and we only guarantee you 30 days. She's okay. mine now. So we, the four of us are here. Awesome, awesome. Uh, the other individuals from our cream group, uh, do you know that one will be joining? I have no idea. You can't say that out loud. We're gonna think we're yeah. <laughs> it's the cream group. That's what it is. Oh, um, Casey says he's having issues. Send me a Facebook link. I got him. Got him. So for those of you who don't know, who don't follow the Herpeticulture podcast, Cream is an adaptation from the Wu-Tang Clan. Instead of cash rules everything around me, it's carpets and or chondros rule or colubrids as we found out and now we found out it's colubrids because ironically ever all of us have colubrids all of us legitimately mm -hmm. so i'm willing to accept it intermittently but i'm still on team carpet chondros i'm not biased in this i am i am switzerland in this shit so then you can vote for colubrids it's okay I, I'm just saying, I don't have enough experience to say yay or nay, but I'm just saying there's a reason I have two rat snakes and only one carpet python. It's because they were given to me. <laughs> I like my, my one colubrid. What are you saying? Cox, do you still have the decay snake? No, I, it didn't like the move very well at all. So, like, originally in the old place, uh, you know, it's as in like a tiny bin that made it feel super secure and safe. And then I think just the move just kind of really rattled it too much, man. Mm. It didn't. I think if you had a DKs and you could keep it, because it, like, people like put them like 10 gallon tanks and tell you that, <clears throat> it was literally like a bento box. Because, you know, yeah. DK was tiny. He was in a bento box and I fed him earthworms that I bought from, you know, the, the bait store. I just calcium dust them every three days or so. And he, I would just literally drop feed them, walk away, and I could sit in the corner of the room. And you could see him like nudge over and slurp down a worm or two and then go hide again. But I feel like this the move just kind of fucked him up too much. Yeah. He's little. Hey. There he is. What I mean. A rock in the stash. I do need a mustache. Yeah, you do. I'm, I'm going to take I'm this one. You know, it's funny. There was a, a snake in the pool earlier and. Uh, is that a euphemism? Of course. No. But Ellie looked in the skimmer box and there's the snake. And so she's like opening the skimmer box. She's like, oh, there's a snake. And she starts reaching her hand in there. And I'm like, stop, 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 stop. This is like my worst fear of magic. Like my kid gets used to snakes. And now when she sees one, regardless of what it is, she's like, I'm going to grab it. So I was like, don't touch it. And she continued to like put her hand in there. And I'm like, stop. Because, you know, we have. Corals are fairly common around here, and copperheads are common. And so Gold like, Stop putting your hand in that. And it turned out to be a little red belly. I guess decays if you want to get technical. They're not, but Steraria, you know. Yeah. She's about to grab it. And I'm like, <laughs> before you touch them, like, let me look at it first, please. I have to tell it to my grandma. She's gotten too comfortable with me sending her pictures of me picking up things. She tried to lift, like, 
a big snapping turtle the other day. And I was like, you are 85 years old. Like, you need to leave it alone. Wow. That's how grandma loses a finger. Yeah, I know. She, was, she said she, was, she, like, she texts me a picture of it, and then she calls me. She's like, I'm feeding it carrots. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, should I pick it up? And I was like, no. <laughs> Don't do that. It was like, it was, it was a decent size, you know? Nice. You guys just have problems up there? Uh, yeah, says, well, she's in she's in New York, oh, okay. so yeah, just comments. Harley apparently wants you to box her up and send her to her. Yeah, that's fine. She has a lake house. She's Harley, cool. you can't hoard all the grandmas. We've talked about this. <laughs> she has a now, problem. Uh, I just want to acknowledge Victor. Nice to see you. And Dan, shouting song. Summer wants to know how the Sanzini are doing, Casey. Yeah, uh, I fed them a meal that was way too big, and they came to handle it pretty well. I had unbought a bunch of large rats, and then I was around eating stuff, and I just kind of opened it up, and I didn't realize the Zinni are a lot smaller than I kind of thought they were, so I just gave them both large rats, both the adults, and uh, they look very, uh, very full, but I think it's going to work just fine. Nice. It's probably the only meal I'm going to feed them this year, so. Cool. Casey, are you using your phone? Uh, I'm using my phone. Is your phone standing up on something? Uh, yes. Why? We can. I, I it know, sounds I like the teacher in, in Charlie Brown. Uh, oh yeah. Oh. I uh, have this problem a lot. Sorry, I don't have water. Microphone. I'm gonna stand right here. You guys can like talk to my forehead the whole time. <laughs> Look at those handsome eyebrows. Can you get sideways so the microphone's not like hitting the ground? Yeah, that um, might can work. I can try. Try that. There we go. Now I'm going vertical. I'm a, I'm a scrub doing that. How do I sound? The same. Exactly. Sound like you're in a shoebox. <laughs> Disregard. <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, I'll stay quiet this episode. What has happened? You just worked. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. This is, this is good. I'm pulling myself way closer. You don't have like a little plug-in headset with a little mic thing going on it? Jeez. I don't have a podcast. What are you? What are you, North Georgia folks, up to? <laughs> oh my God! I don't, I don't have a podcast. I'm sorry. I, I could have like a fancy mic, but uh, you should start one. I'm not even using it. My mic isn't even working right now. Like my blue mic, for whatever reason, isn't showing up. I just use the, the microphone built into the laptop. Yeah, I don't really like that one. He's not on a laptop though. Yeah, it's true. Like, I could set up all the stuff and use the fancy mics, but then I have to set up all the stuff, which takes all of like five minutes. But I'm lazy. Don't flip too. I gotta figure out like how to. Casey, you sound a lot better. It does. I sound know. a little better. That's good. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'll just hold it right really close to my knee. Just take the phone and shove it in your mouth. Things. Yeah, like. Yeah, that's great. Like, like you guys can see my tonsils live from YouTube. Yeah. Casey, you look like you're being held. See, off. look, summer summer has a there's a home recording studio and she lives two miles away. I probably could take take uh, advantage of that. She's less than two miles away too. I could literally walk to her house and like I don't know where she lives exactly, but yeah. <laughs> She's within a two mile radius. She's within a two mile radius. I know that for a fact because we uh we meet up and look at snakes sometimes. Just start walking. <laughs> yeah, just like the general direction and like She'll just start screaming from her porch. We'll just see you take off and you'll be like, Casey, where are you going? I just felt like running. <laughs> yeah. 
All of a sudden, he's going to wake up one morning. He's going to go out front just to, like, stretch and smell the morning air. And there's going to be, a, like, an old soup can with a really long string coming out of it. And he's going to what the hell is this? And, like, hold it up to his ear. Magic. That's my microphone. Yeah. By the way, uh, Dan, uh, the answer to your question, DM me on uh, Facebook. And we'll talk about it. This is Casey and I should start a podcast, but we wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> we would just spend 45 minutes talking about our love languages. And then. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm way too easily distracted in ADHD for a podcast. Billy mm -hmm. and I joke around about it, like saying we take over the world with it, but I, uh, I think I get tired of a podcast after like two weeks. Yeah. I'm not that interesting. Like, I can tell my same Brettle stories over and over again that, like, makes for a good one episode, but then you find out I'm kind of like a one-trick pony that only knows, like, one type of snake. No, 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 no. You, you, you're very good. Very good. I dropped something. God dang it. It's so weird because the thing's flipped. But anyway, let's talk about snakes. Let's talk about snakes because I'm, I'm yeah. distracting you. Who gives yeah. a fuck about snakes in this group? What the hell? You're right. This is the, this is the Neon Tetra group. Yeah. Hey, betas only. I may be wearing a Morelia house shirt right now, but still, betas only, fucker. Dude, they're so fun. Like, literally today, uh, I was spent like, I woke up way too goddamn early for it to be a day off. And I was just sitting there, like, looking at uh, betas online because, like, their, their genetics are crazier than ball pythons. Mm -hmm. It's insane. That's not possible. Dude, they have jumping genes. I don't understand how that works. What do you mean jumping? Elaborate. It's okay. So there's a gene called marble, which apparently one, the story of it is weird because like a guy in prison discovered it because he's breeding betas in peanut butter jars. It's already okay. a strange story. But apparently the gene has, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's so weird. But uh, so apparently from what I've been reading, the marble gene is a dominant style gene. But the problem is every time they try to like, because I guess they must have like the genome of betas, like sequence or whatever, like they can't pinpoint where it is. And it's always, they find it in multiple locations all the time. So and it's hmm. apparently jumping gene is actually like a thing that has been documented with other stuff. But yeah, they like, haven't been fish. I've heard of this. Yeah, it's, it's like once it's introduced to a bloodline, you can never erase it. So you never oh. cross the marble gene because like once he's got marble in there, everything is marble from there on out. James Lewis. What's funny is uh, <clears throat> my friends Matt and Jamie, they're very big into birds, and they were explaining to me that like the way that we as herpers and fish people look at genetics, we simplify it unknowingly, and apparently bird people are like overly complex with genetics for whatever reason. So like what we would consider like codom, like it doesn't exist in birds, I guess. They have like another term for it, and it's it's broken down into different categories and like way above my pay grade because a I'm not a big bird guy at all, but and b you like big bird, I mean he's, <laughs> he's all right. You're an asshole. Snuffle up gives my my homie. Just <laughs> saying. Call it like I see it. Oh, I'll take a shot for every dad joke. I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen tonight. Don't do that. Please don't. I don't want to see Casey lose a shoe. 
Yeah, but I'm found in the creek, you know, 3,000 miles away. It's right in the creek. It's still there for you. How creepy would that be if it showed up on your doorstep? Billy and I joked around about that. Like, what if we come back next year for Daytona and it just washes up on the beach? The very the message next message attached to it. <laughs> I got I to be honest. I was like Sunday. I was going to try and do it. And I just the logistics were just not there. I was going to try and find your other sandal, the one you didn't lose take a picture of them on my phone, buy buy a pair of them, and then like bring it to the beach and like down by me, like get it all messed up and like gritty and sandy and dirty and then mail it to you. And then be like, look what I found. <laughs> it's a long game. Uh, so Ryan, going back to fish, have you seen <laughs> what the the koi people do? Apparently when they want to get like a very specific kind of pattern in it, they will take a razor blade and like cut some of the colored scales off the fish. It's no, like, I, it I, looks I, like I can't believe they do it. So they skin them. Yeah. They like, they like peel off like a layer of scales where like, if they want the fish to have like the Japanese flag on the side and it's got like a square instead of a circle, they'll go with a razor blade and like cut off some of the orange like it's brutal. I can't believe they do it. Apparently, it's like a big problem they're having over in the Asian fish markets. Where wow, yeah. And I thought people smuggling Asian arowanas from Canada was a problem, but holy shit, now they're mutilating fish. I've heard like the tattooing and stuff where they take lasers and they tattoo like mollies and stuff to like. I read this thing the other day. It was like uh, tattooed like molly fish, so people will like. Some guy will go to propose to his wife who's really into fish, so he'll like have to call this person up at his lab and he'll be like, Yeah, can you tattoo twenty of these mollies to say, Will you marry me? So I can come to my wife. And then so they'll pay like ninety dollars a piece for these laser etched mollies. Wow. My wife loves fish. Do you mind mutilating a couple of these fish so I can show her I love her? Yeah, can you please yeah. make them suffer so I can show her how much I care? I know the premise is to put like "Will you marry me" on like all the fish, but in my head, it's just one letter on every fish, and it's like a puzzle that you try to figure out. <laughs> it's like alphabet soup. Like <laughs> you're just hoping they line up. There's <laughs> not a lot of bad letters. These snakes, fish, just says, "Fuck you." What? Um, as much as I love alcoholics and aquatics, um, I was going to ask, uh, speaking of that whole concept, Dominique had her first, uh, hey, what snake is this yeah. with a mutilated snake? Yeah, it's a dead about snake. Your story? I got like, I had this one coworker, well, he's not a coworker anymore, but he like would text me pictures of snakes all the time. But this time was the first time that his dad shot the snake in the head with a shotgun. And I was like, dude, that's a rat snake. Like, stop fucking and like I literally was like, I don't I can't really tell you what that is. Like it's pretty dead. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you otherwise. And then I was like, oh cool. I feel like I'm in the club officially. Like the dead snake club where you just get that photo and at two in the morning. But that sucks. Hopefully he's listening and his dad stops killing fucking snakes. Even though I've told him like eight times. Um, also, Justin, do you see that people are saying that we're skipping a lot? Yeah. I don't really have any control over that. It's got to be like yeah. a YouTube problem then. 
Yeah, I mean, some of them are on Facebook, some of them are on YouTube. So, yeah, oh, YouTube. Facebook is the worst. If you're on Facebook, uh, it has the worst streaming of any. Because even when Joe was doing his uh, ground bites or whatever the hell it was when he was after doing from the ground up, his little 15 minute mini. So, it's you on Facebook it was just a lag city for me all the time, even on a great 5G connection. Damn. Well, I'm those uh, radiation burns from all that 5G. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I got the coronavirus, man. That's how I got it. 5G. <laughs> mm. Did you guys see what the CDC put out about, I guess, uh, about uh, uh, radiation protection information? Don't get near it? No, basically, they put out <laughs> yesterday or today because what they're trying to do is because so many people are unprepared for natural disasters and whatever else. And now everyone's watching the CDC because of COVID. Uh, they're putting out like uh, public uh, public address statements, like you know, don't eat yellow snow and stuff like that. Well, they put out one yesterday. It was like, uh, be advised due to certain situations. Uh, please see our uh, description on radiation disaster awareness and like seek shelter, don't eat outside foods, like stay in your home and listen to the radio, like. What is this fucking 1954? Like, come on. She's wild, man. Duck and cover. What do they know? Duck and cover. I love it. Duck and cover. I'm fully aware that, like, if the world ends, I'm the first to go out. I've got no survival instinct and really no desire to survive an apocalypse. Just take me out. Feel free. You never watched Mad Max? I haven't watched anything. You know that. She doesn't even see Mean Girls. What? True. What? You've never seen. It doesn't me. even go here. <laughs> I never seen Mean Girls. Uh, yeah, yeah. Casey gets it. Maybe that's that's the reason we're lagging. Yeah, that is the fact I've never <laughs> seen Mean Girls. Dominic will meet up. That'll be our podcast. It's us live streaming Mean Girls every <laughs> week. Mean Girls. Yeah, every goddamn week. Yeah. Every Absolutely. Day. You guys are not fetch. Just saying. <laughs> can't add anything to the combo. No, Sorry, guys. Shit, you know I try to write a note to put up on the screen, but you know what? I spell the word wrong, so now I feel stupid as fuck. Lavisa, <laughs> <laughs> says be nice to me, so be nice to me. Oh, Charlie's gonna beat you up. <laughs> that is true. A blonde spider monkey can't do a goddamn thing. So going back to snakes, I recently got a bunch of labels from Cloud Forest Design. Um, I had requested, because in Florida with venomous stuff, you have to have on the outside of the cage, you have to have an identifying photo of the animal, um, unless it's microchip, in which case you have to have the microchip tag number on the cage. But it has to, by law, say danger, venomous, reptile. And then it also has to have the common name and scientific name. So I had bought a couple labels from cloud forest just to have them see what they were about and uh, i said you know what this would be great if i put the anti-venoms on them and i put velcro on the back so god forbid something happened you could rip it off the cage and take it with you mm -hmm. right? so i sent them uh appropriate anti-venoms for the appropriate species and i didn't get all the labels that i need but i just wanted to i got like 15 or 20 from the start. Um, but I just I brought down the timber rattlesnake to show you guys if I can do it. So, hold on, it's glary. So you guys can see it has a 
map. Oh no! No! <laughs> you still win. <laughs> what happened? I'm trying to. Oh, there you go. So, sorry about the glare, guys. So basically, you know, you've got the map. You've got some fun facts. It says, you know, danger venomous reptile has the picture, but in the very bottom, I put two different anti venoms. I put Anavip and Crofab. And okay. I, actually, I put Anavip first because, <laughs> let's be real, it's a lot cheaper than Crofab. So, God forbid, uh, there's a choice in the matter. Hopefully, they'll use Anavip first. Um, but this is laminated, it's kind of rigid. Phil wants to be Crofabulous. I do <laughs> not want to be Crofabulous. Um, and I figure I'm just going to put some Velcro on the back and then stick it on the cage so that, God forbid, something happens, I can just take it and off. shove it in your pants and they can punch off. You know, or just, you know, Velcro to my beard, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but put a Velcro patch on your hat and you can just right? oh, get the 511 hat and just slap it on there. I thought that came out really well. <laughs> Matt does good stuff, man. Great stuff. I was about, I was about he to say just that. had another baby, so props oh, yeah. to Matt. He just had another so yeah, if you guys have any thoughts about getting labels from Cloud Forest Design, I highly recommend it. Um, and got them on all my frog tanks. Oh, that's awesome! I, I'm awesome. getting them too. I got the I got a few. Uh, I got the beta one, the snail one, and I'm actually gonna. I need to go email about some other stuff because I just like them a lot. How big is yours, Phil? Is it like a? Was it like five and a quarter by like two or something like that? Yeah, I would no. It's probably longer than that. It's probably, I mean, it's probably seven or eight inches by two and a half, maybe. Oh yeah, yours is way bigger than mine. It could double as a toe tag if you put all your information on the back. This is true. <laughs> could work like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like I like those things a lot. Cloud Forest, they make really cool. They're uh, Placards, science, whatever the hell you want to call them, because uh, I've been eyeballing them forever for the retics. Whenever I get their uh, final cages set up, I mean the yeah. Superdwarfs, he's gonna get a slightly bigger cage, but the Sula, I want them to make a, a big one, like almost like a zoo style, like as big as that to go well, on. That's what they, they do. Minimize me for a minute while I pull up Cloud Forest's website. There you go. So what they're doing is. Um, Cloud Forest is doing metal, like tin signs, zoo style, mm -hmm. and uh, they're really big. I know, um, what's his name? The, Justin, the guy you got the Sania, the, uh, Sania from, and he used to do knobtails. Oh, Jordan Russell. Yeah, so Jordan Russell had a bunch of outdoor stuff for his hornbills, and he showed pictures of it, and they came out stupendous. Yeah, they're really cool. So on the website, he doesn't seem to have um, like product photos other than the actual sales stuff. So let me try and find the Instagram. Hurry up! I'm trying. I'm trying. So while you're so hard, I was just say while you're while you're doing okay. that, I have a bone to pick with James Lewis. Go ahead. Oh. So forever he sent. Every episode of THP, he sent some sort of stupid meme that accompanied that episode. And I'm really annoyed that he's had Travis Wyman on twice, and he has yet to take a picture of Travis Parker, replace his head with Travis's head, replace his drumsticks with a spatula and a whisk, and put Travis Baker. 
That's underneath it. Uh, wow. That's opportunity, really... opportunity missed. No, he's just like making fun of you because you don't know red velvet is just chocolate cake. I would do it. I just don't feel like putting through, putting, putting the effort in. <laughs> but Ryan, I got a question. Uh oh, what's that? So, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that after. That is the uh, Vonderdecken Hornbill, obviously, you can see. But I don't know how big that metal sign is, but that looks phenomenal. Looks like about the size of a license plate. I actually think it's a little bigger because just obviously the, the bird in the background is, is set back from the sign. But Vonderdeckens are probably about 22 to 24 inches tall on average, maybe a little bigger. So, I mean, you could you know, kind of gauge. I mean, it's, it's kind of a gripping grin type photo, but I imagine that sign's pretty good size. And um, there's another one here on Spurthy. Oh. Red-footed. So, like, that looks pretty good, too. Yeah, that's what I want right there. <clears throat> they have, like, really good, some kind of, you know, weatherproof coating or whatever you want to call it because they're obviously meant to be outdoors. Um, there was more signage, and now I can't find it. Oh, well. Those things are so cool. I love I love that that's, like, a thing that Cloud Forest does because before we were like, ah, oh, we'll put some tape and write the name on there, maybe for a fancy right. scientific name. And Cloud Forest is like, yeah, we uh, found a, a niche that we could fulfill. Oh, and I am smoking a Cohiba that Matt and Jamie got me. And I actually, it's uh, La Republica Dominicana. But I don't know what line it's from. Um, it's almost like a petite Corona. And uh, it's kind of a Maduro, but not quite. It's less, a lot less oily. It's pretty good. I'm enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's natural, I think. Natural, yeah. Justin, what are you smoking? Roma. Boom. Aquatane. Green. Roma Craft. Dude, I was looking around the day, so yesterday my route was like super short. I had like 80-something packages on it. So whenever I was done, I swung by the little discount smoke shop that's on my route that has a lot of Drew Estate shit. Like, it's got a lot of it. And uh, I was looking around the humidor because... I'm trying to remember. It was like a little Drew Estate Lacero I had one time, looking for it forever, and I can't find it. I need some, Justin. I need, I need a man to be my plug. You're looking for Lanceros in particular? Well, that's just one I had that I really, really enjoyed one time. But you don't remember what it was? No, I remember it was Drew Estate because I remember I was talking to you about it, and you were like, oh, yeah, it's a pretty good brand. And I'm like, okay, fuck it, I'll get Is it. Is it those Herreras? It might have been. That Miami... Uh... Limited edition. It might have been because the only thing is, like, the only cigar shop that's like into cigars. It might have been the L40. It was. Now you say it was L40. It was a Liga. We usually carry those. We haven't had them in a while, though. That's why I didn't see any. Yeah. I'm going to blame coronavirus on that shit. Do it. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Victor asked me earlier if I had gotten in contact with Brittany at Ivory Exotics. I have, and she's supposed to be working on like a flying snake article. I don't know. Hold on. First off, is she going to do like a scientific article on like how far they can fly where she just stood on a fire tower and just threw them off there or something? Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Really? Yeah, that's. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, Ryan, go back to my question. 
Explain the dwarf and super dwarf retakes. How big do they actually get? Because I feel okay. like there's a lot of. How many people actually people. have those? Is the better question. Yeah. I I had them, and then I sold them. Okay. Oh, so maybe super dwarf stuff. Let, let me know the Hold real on. one. Hold on, I'm gonna get a beer for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Let me know what is real and what is fake. Phil, you'll be happy to know that your scrub python left me a present, and it looked very healthy compared to the last one. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Hey, is he still giving you shit or no? I don't know. I really don't. I don't play with him. He's in quarantine. Okay. So yes. because, I'm, because I'm smart and I'm responsible, I work the quarantine stuff separately from my regular stuff. Smart. Attaboy. Attaboy. They get them last. To be honest, I, it's smart that you're leaving them alone, too, because I left them alone for, like, almost three months. Like, no real human interaction for, like, three months. I think that helped a lot. And then literally when I was like, all right, let's see if we get bit, I just took him out, and he was chill as fuck. So. Yeah, tomorrow I might bump him up to this 110 just because, like, my treatment is going really well. I haven't seen any. Um, but... Like I said on THP or on here last time, like I'm not taking my foot off the gas, which you shouldn't do with mites, because as soon as yeah. you think you're safe, yeah, they come back in droves. So yep, yep. Probably upgrade them a little bit. Playing <clears throat> right there. I mean, just what do they say? Like a an ounce of uh, prevention is better than a pound of cure. You know, shit like that. Yeah. But okay, super dwarf and dwarf retics. Uh, Okay, so first off, put your learning ears on. Yeah, I'm gonna go on mute. From all, of, participate. <laughs> from all of the, from everything I've read and listened to and everything, reticulated pythons are divided into one species, and there's technically the two subspecies that come off it. So there's Malaya python reticulatus reticulatus. Yeah, I guess we three subspecies. Malaya python reticulatus reticulatus, which is mainland. So that's like everything from you know. Uh, Malaysia, uh, Myanmar, all those places like that. And then you get into Indo. That's where we get all like your Bali's and stuff like that. And Sulawesi and stuff like that. And then on right off Sulawesi, you get a bunch of islands. This is where I don't really know the natural history of the area because I'm very, actually one of the reasons I want to go to Indo to actually see the area and see what caused this like divide to happen. But there is uh, Malaya python reticulatus sapustriae right off the coast of Sulawesi. So that's where you get the Bontang Islands, Saleh mm -hmm. Island, and a couple other uh, islands. They are, uh, these animals are called dwarfs, but I mean, we have seen some pretty big animals from these bloodlines too. I mean, Saleh are, we're getting 13, 14 foot animals we've seen at times. And then there is the other subspecies, the Jampea dwarf python, which is uh, Malaya python reticulatus jampeanus. So that's where you get your super dwarfs and dwarfs mostly. Those are Jampea, Kalatoa, Kiawati, Karampa, uh, Madu. Uh, I think Tomalongan is another locality. So okay, whose whose map is that? So right there, you that's can see a, that's a, that's a world map. It's my, my map. <laughs> Okay, so Phil has this pulled up. So Phil, I, drew, you, I drew it on a cocktail napkin. Thank you. You see where Sulawesi is forked out right there? Where it says Makassar? Okay. Yeah. 
on the other side, or no, actually, no, it is that is a peninsula there. Off Macassar, those little line of islands right there, those are the uh, the islands that go into the Flores Sea, which has all your dwarf and super dwarf islands on there. But they're really cool because, I mean, if you look at these super dwarf islands, which is mainly three, uh, you get Krampa, Kalatoa, and Madu. Uh, they're basically just reefs that are just, you know, the water has receded over time where they can support some life. Those are where your true super dwarfs come from. And then the dwarfs will all come from Seliar, uh, oops, excuse me, Jempea, Kiawadi, uh, Bontang, maybe, which Bontang is something we can get into. I'll talk about that in a second. But the dwarfs, it's it's mentioned. There's a bloodline of Jampea uh, called the Gaspar line, which has had animals documented at 18 foot long. So I say dwarf is a very loose term used there. Maybe those animals were fed really way too healthy, but still, I mean, like scrub pythons, you know, like maybe an oversized scrub is the 16 foot monster we always hear about that scrubs can get to. But a big barneck is still a big animal. And I think dwarf reticulate pythons are in that range. They're still very large animals. And then there. Yeah, I think people are under the impression that dwarf means like super small instead of just like eh, smaller than the normal. It's, I know, and people. Not pocket size. It's kind of like if you had like a Clydesdale horse, like a dwarf Clydesdale would just be a regular fucking horse then. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I like to tell people. Like, it's like a. That's accurate. <laughs> best way to describe it. That's good. If, and then, you know, you have your dwarf dwarf horse. And so. Miniature pony. Exactly. Or just, I think, I think they're honestly just ponies because I've seen some super dwarfs, uh, females that people have. Like pure old Calatona bloodlines, like people who got them like from the importer straight up, like Dan Maleri and people like those, whose Calatoas are, you know, six, seven feet long, which are still, and they're like, it's like a carpet python. But those animals are very few and far between, it seems, anymore. I've seen a lot of people post pictures of my 100% super dwarf that's 10 foot long. It's an animal that, you know, you have a six foot tall man. And this animal, they're holding it up, and the tail is still on the ground. Like, that's not a super dwarf, dude. Like, and I think it's, I don't know, there's a lot of bad things going on. A lot of companies that are like, yeah, we have these pure jampeos that are head albino. And it's like a albino yeah. comes from, I think, Malaysia, which right. is a very huge, huge animal. I mean, if you look at what Jay Brewer is doing with his albino bloodlines, those are monster animals. There's no pure jampea albinos. The only pure super dwarfs that ever have been have been anathristic. And you could argue that the, the Saliar uh, bloodline can have stuff like genetic stripe. But that also comes to the argument of there's also a skinning station on Saliar, so they were more likely to get the wild uh, mutations saved on Saliar Island. Uh, now, Cox, where is Jampea? It's not in the, in the South Sea, is it? It is. Uh, it's not even. It's not on this map. Celiar has the best chance tonight. Yet, okay. So, you see Celiar? Go down. See where Kaiwadi is? Right there is Jampea, right below it. Where? Where? Right below Kaiwadi. Uh, if you go to see where it says Flora, Flora, Flora Sea, it goes Bimba, and then to the right of Bimba is uh, Tana Jampea. Okay. Okay. 
It's kind of like a, so uh, they will call a lot of them like uh, Palu. So it'd be like Palu Kalatoa or Palu Karapa. Yep. Now, uh, I actually had, um, I had a, a straight champs. And then I actually had a, a friend of mine, this is before Florida banned everything. Um, he got a, it was a tiger damp that had Kalatoa blood in it. And he had it for probably like three years. He got it at like 18 inches long. And then at like three or four years, it was probably like five and a half foot. And he gave it to me. I had it for about a year and a half, almost two years. And it was like seven foot. And like it wound up passing away for unknown reasons. But um, I always wanted to know like, that's a, that's a, 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 a small snake for that age right yeah and it's and there's still animals that will be smaller just because i think a lot of the reticulate python community uh hears these stories and tales if you know like 25 foot reticulate pythons and so they think oh yeah it's supposed to be like you see a post on facebook float around of a guy with a 22 foot retic but it looks like a sausage i mean you see scale separation and its tail looks like a stinger on a male yeah. so i think that's a problem uh i've noticed with my sulawesi um, I mean, I feed him like most people, normal people feed a two-year-old animal. Like, I'm not power feeding him. I'm sl- I'm giving him food like every two and a half, three weeks, maybe four weeks, just kind of varied it up a little bit. Sometimes I give him large food, sometimes I give him small food. But he's only at six and a half foot long right now. He's very small. He's, you know, th- he's this big around, but he's just long and he's lean. So... I think a lot of issues, like, you know, if you take care of your animal, like I think you would, Phil, it's probably a normal-sized animal. Right. Yeah, we just, we assumed that it was going to be at least over 10 foot just because, or maybe even 12 foot, just because it had the tiger blood in it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, tigers are mainland, right? Yeah, tiger is, like, and one of the world records was the first tiger bloodline fluffy from Bob Clark. That's right. I remember he was like 22 foot and was always on like the late show. That's that's what got me into retics. I loved it. Nice. So, yeah, we assumed it was going to get at least 10, 12 foot, even as male, just because it had the tiger blood in it. And I mean, it was like, it had to have been like five or no, it was like six or seven years old. And it was only like seven ish, something like that. And And it never had any kind of defensive behavior. It was puppy dog. It was one of the only retics that I honestly trusted. Just because he was just chill. It was probably, you know, just, I don't know. I feel like we rush these animals to grow them too fast. And I've listened to interviews with people who've been around that area and watch videos. And you see people catching wild animals. And they're not they're not gigantic. And they're large. They're like scrub pythons. Right. But they're not, you know, they're not. Man-eaters. Yeah, they're not man-eaters. They're not out catching deer and tigers and shit like that. Dude, how cool would it be to see a big-ass retake and a tiger, like, fight to the death? Animal fight club, here we go. So, funny we are talking about growing up snakes big. You know, everyone knows about power feeding and the health concerns that associate with it. And, yeah, your animal's going to get real big real quick, and it's going to have the the growth spurts and whatnot. But, you know, I always attribute it to, like, those bodybuilder children. I'm like, yeah, they're 10 years old with six packs, but, you know, you're, you're, you're fucking with their bodies, you know? And uh, what's interesting is my boy in Queensland, Elliot, he messaged me what would be yesterday, um, 
because he's in the future, crazy, um, about supplements. And I had mentioned, you know, what we talked about, about dipping pinkies in rapashi and doing the lateral cuts on prey items to aid in digestion. And his his thoughts were a little different on it. Um, obviously, he didn't read it and he hasn't talked about it like we have. But he brought up something that the elaborate keepers in Australia are doing is they're basically soaking prey items, regardless of what it is, in mutton bird oil. And I guess there's something in that here. I'm trying to look at my notes. Uh, mutton bird oil, they can grow big really fast. And they inject it. Excuse me, they don't dip it. They inject it into the rodents. And I never even heard of mutton bird oil. I don't know that. I don't even know what a mutton bird is. That's like it's something that they're doing. And I don't know if that's a, a, a health concern or if it's something natural that you know, almost like just taking B vitamins or whatever. Aren't mutton birds the ones that live on that uh, the island with the? Um, it's an Australian island, and some of the snakes get the, their eyes gouged out by these things. I think it's mutton birds that do it. Yeah, the oh, blind yeah. snake island. Yeah, the, the black tiger snakes, yeah. And That's their it. venom is super duper toxic because they have to kill the birds quick. <clears throat> it's a seagull. They're, they're, they're killing seagulls and making oil out of them. That's some snake oil shit. Have I ever heard about it? No that, is, that is some snake oil shit. Here, here's some mutton birds for you. It's a seagull. It's a seagull. Yeah, it's a black seagull. <laughs> it's a fucking seagull. It's kind of cute. I won't lie. A little, little poofy poof. I bet you they're tasty. A little That's, poof here. I, actually, why they're called mutton birds is apparently the sailors thought, yep, tastes like mutton. Oh, yeah. That's probably a good idea. Let's see I what think mutton birds do. You got to like squeeze a whole bunch of them at one time and just like have a little siphon going. I really hate when James Lewis messages me. Hey, Billy's in. Oh my See, God. now, yeah, I guess YouTube is what's having issues because everyone on Facebook is saying it's probably fine, but YouTube is struggling. Where's Travis? I got to message Travis now and show him this. Stupid ass name. Billy stop talking about birds. Billy, go on your break and join us on your phone. There it is. I heard Billy's going to start keeping pheasants. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Billy, I'll help you build a pheasant hutch or whatever you keep pheasant for me. Is it a muse? <laughs> I'm just picturing Billy just walking outside and just sticking his arms out and just like eagles laying all over it and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Travis no. Baker plays for the band Bake 182. So Bake 185 because you got to preheat it. I thought it was 375. There you go. Perfect. Still talking about the game. Man, that I'm fell really flat. Do you guys think the people that keep all the giant tortoises have like like people to succeed them, to feed them whenever uh, they die because these things live to be like 300 years old? Mm-hmm. They have like multiple generation wills of like this is where my adopter goes after my great grandchild dies yeah i imagine people i imagine they've got to have some kind of 
plan, you know? I also imagine a lot of those animals, people don't consider that, and those animals go to rescues and or private sector and, you know. Dude, also, think, of, think about how many Solcutters get sold at an expo. Yeah. As someone who works for a rescue, Holy you could not even imagine the amount of sulcatas we get called for. And we can't we can't take them all in because we can't we don't have the space for it because they don't get adopted out very quickly. And the ones that do get adopted out are the healthy ones, but it's the ones that have like incredibly horrible pyramiding and have never been given any sort of like UVB or supplement to like make up for that that stick with us and we're stuck with and we can't do anything with. They're the iguanas of Chelonians. Mm-hmm. And we got those too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, what's funny is I actually, you know, when I worked underground, we get phone calls all the time of like, "Hey, there's a giant tortoise in my yard. What do I do?" And I would say a good two thirds of the time it's a gopher tortoise, and it's like, "Well, listen, what color is it? Like, it's dark, dark, dark brown. Okay, it's a native species. It's protected. Don't touch it. Leave him alone. He's doing what he does." But every once in a while, they're like, "Oh, it's big and tan color with spiky legs." And it's like, okay, that's obviously not a gopher tortoise. That's a ninja turtle. That's a ninja turtle. You know, where's the green ooze? And uh, my one of my coworkers four days ago, three days ago, he calls me up. He he lives probably 15, 20, min- 20 minutes away from me. He goes, Phil, Phil, there's a spurthy tortoise walking across the road. And he took pictures of it with his phone. It is literally like a 150-pound spurthy. <laughs> just trotting across the road, like four lane road, just trotting across. So like he walks over and he's a, he's a big fit guy and he picks it up by the shell and brings it over to like a baseball field and just like plops it there. And he said the tortoise took a look around and just started grazing on grass. <laughs> and he's, he said he walked back to his apartment building, went upstairs to get, get like a real camera to like take real photos of it. And when he went back, it was gone. So somebody either found their escaped tortoise or somebody jacked that turtle because they knew it was worth something. So. <laughs> so caught us. Uh, yeah. Good old Florida. One time we had, we had a lady call up, a little old lady. She was like 83 or whatever. And she's like, my, my tortoise that I bought in my youth uh, it's dug under the house and I think the house moved and I need you to come get it. So we're like, excuse me? She's like, yeah, the house moved. So this tortoise that, so this was probably in like 2010, 20, you know, 11, something like that. She bought it in like 1960, 1965, something like that. And it cracked the foundation of her home and dug down like 12 feet under the house. So we had this guy, Zach, who was kind of short. He was like, realistically, he's probably five foot, five foot two. And he shimmied down there like a soldier in Da Nang with a flashlight, you know, and he saw this ass end of a tortoise. So they tied, um, I don't know what they tied. They tied something around like the main carapace and just start pulling and they dragged this tortoise out and a mm-hmm. construction company had to come and fix the foundation. Great. Fucking sulcatas, man. We've had the sulcata at the rescue. We had to build um, an additional 
brick wall around the air conditioning unit because he was going up and just hitting it so hard that he would break it. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Scott asked if, uh, I think this is directed towards me. So if a, a turtle is, or a tortoise is suffering from MBD, do we euthanize it? We try really, really hard not to euthanize any of the animals that come into the rescue. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do to help them get better. And then luckily, um, a lot of the people who work for the rescue, like we'll take them home. Like we have a few tortoise people or a few pond turtle people that like specialize in those. Um, euthanasia is always like absolute last thing we go to. And then a lot of the animals, um, we partner with local education centers and vet schools that we can give these animals to for um, educational purposes. And that way they can get the care they need and like, hopefully have a good life, even though they are struggling. But if an animal is obviously in distress or not able to be rehabilitated, we will euthanize them. Uh, thank you for that, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. Scott is actually joined us from the future and mm -hmm. Scott, i'm going to ask him uh if he heard of the mutton bird oil stuff and if so you know what is the the the, the lowdown on that he gonna say a damn thing to you phil yeah i know he's in the future he's fucking yeah never, take two days. never meet your heroes uh. i met joe and i hate his guts so where is he yeah, where is Joe? I don't know. Probably doing failing stuff like taking care of 300 corn snakes. That is true. That is very true. It's a lone man working his corn snakes. <laughs> I was like, like a week or two ago, I was like, Joe, how many colubrids do you really have? He's like, I don't know. It's like 260 corns. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, there's more coming. I'm like, okay. Like, he sounded so defeated when he said it. <laughs> a thousand yards there just knowing what's coming for him. Right? Yeah. He's pairing him up, but he's like, he's like, what have I done? <laughs> Why am I making all of these? So Scott says uh, uh, fatty liver disease from mutton bird oil. I can imagine that. A lot of oil. Still want to kind of see how they get it. Milking birds. I'm sure they milk the shit out of little tiny others. Right? Just like, like cats. Like that. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah Joe got three. Cannon, you got to get the Sanzania. Okay, um, I'm gonna put you guys down for a second then, and I'm gonna no. get the little one. Take us we with got you. Rack. It's not gonna look like it's not gonna be YouTube friendly for me to like show you guys what a quarantine what rack looks like. Dead bodies and stuff in there. I mean, they're like <laughs> tiny little cages that would not look good for uh, like aesthetic purposes. So give me a second. All right, go on. I'm acceptable. Yeah, and Joe got three palmettos this year. Did he? Um, yeah, which was awesome. So proud of him. Wow, that's cool. That's very cool. I got chondro yeah. fever right now, man. Do you? I, I am itching to produce more and i am itching to breed my stuff that is like three years out set it up man set it up i was kind of hoping that um our other colubrid friends were going to join in because i spent the afternoon uh chatting with 
Jonathan Lohman from uh, Sunshine Serpents. Oh, Sanzini is up. Got a four. That's a Mandarin rat snake. That is, I feel like I'm three-handed with something venomous right now. Like, look at the heads on these guys. Ooh, pretty. Oh, that's awesome. They're like this weird combination of like if an annulated boa and a Doomerl's boa had a baby. So yeah, I'm holding my male and my younger female. The males get this like really cool like greenish bluish hue to them, and the females got so much yellow. Like, oh, I, I really dig these. I think these are so cool. God, that's a fucking bucket list snake for me right there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's super yeah. awesome. And Casey's, I, uh, I know you haven't had yours very long, but uh, are they chill as hell? I mean, obviously, I'm not, yeah. I'm not getting bit. So, yeah, Matt Tola says his are just like super, super chill. Whenever me and Jay got to play with his up in Philly, they look almost venomous with their big old ch chunky ass heads and their pattern. Yeah, I feel like I'm like full handling some free vipers or something. They really look so venomous. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you think about it too, like. They kind of fill that same role, you know what I mean? That tree viper role. Because I mean, what yeah, they're really do. is there? I don't think other than hognose, is there any venomous native in Madagascar? Um, I don't think the Langaha. If those camels are in place, what do you say again, Casey? Say it again. No, I said Madagascar is kind of a strange place like that. Like, I was going to write a, a little bit of an article about this in uh, the magazine, but I. Don't think there's enough research on it for me to actually be able to do it. But it's about how, uh, if you notice on like distribution maps, wherever there are pythons, there are no large boas. And wherever there are no large boas, or wherever there are no pythons, there are large boas. Okay. I think it's because pythons and boas, when they compete in the same niche, uh, pythons just completely outcompete them. It's like so a Crips and Bloods kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you see, like, Madagascar, there's no pythons. There's large boas. South America, no pythons, large boas. Uh, the only place they really uh, interact with each other is either in Africa, where you have the sand boas, and same way with parts of, uh, like, Asia. I'm walking around. Or you see where boas take over the niche of, like, vipers, where there are no vipers, like places like uh, Papua New Guinea and some of the surrounding islands. Yeah, yeah. That's a great thought. That's a great thought. You definitely need to compile some data on that, bro. He totally teased us at Harvardfest about that and another cool article, and I never heard about it again. Yeah, that, that was super excited. Needs to happen, by the way. The one we talked about at the brewery. Freaking tease. Yeah. Um, oh, was that the one where? Uh, what wait? What something was about Doomerals? There's something about Doomerals and like convergent or divergent evolution of something. Oh yeah, that was kind of what I was getting to with this. Is yeah, yeah. But the other one was um, talking about how like the different islands, and you can tell uh, it was about the Weber's line in uh, like that separates the uh, Australian continent from the Asian continent, mm -hmm. and you can literally tell like you look at the distribution of certain species, like you can tell okay this animal stops at this island. And this animal starts at this island. Like, there's a line that separates Indonesia from Papua New Guinea. And it's like, on one side of the island, there are vipers. The other side of the island, there's blue... The other side of the line, there's blue-tongued skinks. And they don't cross. And it's that way for a lot of different species. See, that's interesting. 
Yeah, what was that called? The Weber's the Weber's line? It's called the Weber's line. Interesting. Stand by. Oh god, you're gonna send me down a fucking rabbit hole, Casey. That's a really neat concept because you do see like those like uh habitat niches that are like if it's filled here, they don't cross over. It's so weird. Yeah, I mean that goes back to a lot of like the you know, species of species or, or genus of animals that fill the same niche as their counterparts. No, there's a place called the Weber. There's like three lines. There's the Weber's line, the Wallace line. Weber's thing is the dictionary, dude. That that's yeah, dictionary. That's the Webster. <laughs> but good try. I'm gonna go get some water. No, you're yeah, not. I'm gonna put these out. So uh, you guys talk amongst yourselves while I wrestle the thing. <laughs> trying to find this. I found some great maps, but the problem is I can't make them big enough to really share. Hang on, guys. This is poopy. What the hell are you drinking? I'm drinking an Aldi hard cider. Aldi hard cider. Oh, my God. All of these coming in, coming in clutch. Coming in clutch. They're so cheap. I love it. And I also, I am um, kind of doing homework while we're talking, so I'm a little quiet. God damn it. God damn it. I just got to get my degree. We're so close. I think I didn't stop up and say hi to you today. I was up in Florida today. And you didn't say hi? I was with other friends. They drove, so. I'm your only friend. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Only friend. You're what a dick. All right. Yeah, we had to go to a phone store that would repair my buddy's phone. They had to stay yeah. for two hours. I'm like, <laughs> I was just like, like, what are we doing here, guys? I'm like, you want to go to Petco, Ryan? Okay, I'm fine. Let's go to Petco. I'll look for all pythons. <laughs> we had a, there was a reptile show today. Was it in Cincinnati? Cincinnati? Yeah. I was there earlier today. What time? Well, you know, it was a busy day. Next time you're up here, you gotta tell me. All right. Oh, shit. Um, if I may interrupt you. Mm -hmm. So, Max Carl Wilhelm Weber von Boss, or simply Max Wilhelm Carl Boss, um, was a German Dutch zoologist and biographer. Um, excuse me while I fix my contact lens. Uh, his discoveries as leader of the Simboga expedition led him to propose Weber's line, which encloses the region in which the mammalian fauna is exclusive population as an alternative to Wallace's line, as in the case with plant species faunal surveys, which showed that most vertebrate groups, Wallace's line was not the most scientific biological boundary, blah, 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 blah. Tannenbar Islands. Rah, 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 rah. So yeah, there you go. And I got a great map. And as soon as Justin gets back, we can share that shit. Boom. There it is. Justin has let you share. He has full control. So yeah. So I guess one is reptilian, one is mammalian, and the other one I have no idea. Yeah, so if you look at the Weber line right there, uh, and you think about things like scrub pythons and blue tongue skinks, they're on one side and not the other. I'm assuming the blue tongue group this side. Uh, going to Weber's line, not the, uh, yeah, going that one. So they live in like, those are uh, Helmahera up there, Ambon, which is basically uh, what we would call uh, Maluka. Right. Like over here in the state. So you got the Moluccan scrub pythons, the Helmahera scrub pythons. And same way with the blue tongue skinks, there's 
some on both both sides of that, but they don't cross that line. So Interesting. Just kind of like the cool little observations that people had hundreds of years ago when it comes to animals on where the two continents are starting to collide into each other. Interesting. Very cool. Very, very cool. Hmm. Billy, if you were on here, you could get a snake out. Just saying. Yeah. Billy's over there being lame. Look, me, I'm working. Don't you have a cat to save out of a tree or something? <laughs> I just fed all my stuff today, so nothing's coming out for me. Sorry, guys. I'm actually, so I'm, I mean, as most of you know, I'm really not big on feeding condors a lot. And I had some of mine out the other day when I was cleaning. And some of them are getting pretty chunky, so I'm about to cut them. I just want my green tree to start eating again. That female, she's not. She hasn't eaten in like two months. So that's nothing. It's fine. I know she just lost a little bit of weight. She's um, like an apodora. Yeah, I'm going to move her back to her old setup because I'm hoping that will help with her goddamn shedding issues too because she did that thing again where she only shed just up past her nose and I got to spend the Spider-Man thing. Yeah, and I got to spend an hour and a half on Thursday night like peeling my snake which is great. It's so fun. So That's what you want to call it. All right, bye Casey. He'd probably just turn his camera off so he could go pee. Yeah. No. no. talking to a ghost. Bill, I did not tell her to feed it to an apodora. I said, <laughs> like an apodora, okay? Its head was like this. Yeah, because she was she had the worst shed head. Yeah, chondros get, like, even still, like, I open a tub and I see a chondro that's going into a shed. You're like, oh, crap. Like, something's wrong. Because they get, I don't know, they get like just so puffy. Mm -hmm. Do you find that your males and females both have that happen? Um, I notice it more in smaller animals than I do adults. So I'd only ever seen it with my male, and he got it without a doubt every single time he was going to shed. But then this one is my suspected female, and she had it happen this time. Um, and it was the first time I'd seen it with her, and it was. Like she had like a wrinkle on the back of her head. She was so puffy. I pulled yeah, her out I noticed, and I like you. Yeah, I notice uh I notice it with my younger animals, like that aren't adults, like sub adult down, I notice it. Mm -hmm. Um, but with like my adult male, my adult female, and even sort of my two and a half, three year old male, I don't notice it nearly as mm -hmm. much. So yeah, this I one... wonder if it's just if it's like a size thing. Maybe. This female is, I mean, I say female, I really don't know. This one is three, and they had it happen, and then my male is turning three next month, and he, like, he pops up, and it looks like I threw a football on top of a snake's body. Like, he looks horrific. <laughs> Scares me every time. Yeah. They're, uh, they're pretty good at that. I got one that's supposed to shed, like, any night now. I think that tonight's Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't turn the lights on in there. 
I don't. If I know, like, especially my Biok, my young Biok, the one hold back from my clutch, I've noticed that if I turn on the lights, that happens. Some of the other ones, it's not that big of a deal, but that Biok in particular. Mm-hmm. Like, instantly, the lights are on, okay, I'm done. And then it just doesn't yeah. pick up where it left off, and the same thing happens. And that one actually has some stuck shed on, like, its neck, but I'm hoping we'll just, I, I won't have to hardcore, like, get in there and peel it off, but. So. Is that problem, child? Fragile little no, as it, as it turns out, he's actually become one of the least problematic now that he's been problem-free for a while. He just had some growing pains. Dude, I had to feed him live for the longest time. And then, like, a switch flipped. Like, I started offering frozen bot every time, just... Dude, the story of him getting stuck in a tube traumatized me forever. Where oh my god! In cage, I like silicone the ends of, t- of like perches and stuff. I put caps on them. I glue them. So ever since you said that story, I'm like traumatized for life from PVC tubes. It's just one of those things where, like, if you don't think it can happen, it totally can. Snakes are dumb enough to try anything. They really are. You're goddamn right. I had a uh, like three month old retic that got itself. Hold on a second, there's a motorcycle that's gonna take off in a minute. So I'm gonna. I had a retic that got loose, like away from me in my hand. Like it wasn't like loose, loose, but it got away from me. And it went into one of those uh, metal Home Depot racks. And like, you know how you pull and they pull, like resistance? It pulled and I, I barely, and I tell you, I barely tugged on him. And my friend was like, be careful. And he, I just watched that skin just go and peel off. Like degloved? Yeah, but only on like a, a, only on like a small section of like the mid body where it was on the metal, like the yeah. sharp edge of it. And uh, the thing we uh, we we put the skin we put a uh, uh, antibacterial stuff on it and put the skin back. Put the skin back on him and put some like put, like a glue stick and we're, like get better. No, well, honestly, we put we had like antibacterial uh, ointment that was uh, sanitized from the vet and put that like around the border of it and cleaned it off and uh, put the skin back the best we could and put surgical tape on it to kind of hold it in place. And the snake died the next day. Nice. So. Well, you saw that saw a picture I put in the group chat where it was my friend found a, I think it was a northern water snake that had really bad degloving wounds. Yeah. And then, and she, you know, like with my work with the rescue, like we do um, rehab. And so I was helping her like with what she needed to do. And she came downstairs the next day and had dropped 25 babies. Like crazy. James, I'm proud to announce I have already answered that question. So there's four of them. That need to go. All right, James, just because you asked nicely. Yeah, drop the questions right now. Yeah, we'll just, Justin, get on our screen share, please. We'll do a line. Huh? So Justin, go on his page and screen share for us so we can all just answer it verbally and make James do more work. There you go. And then we steal his content. Exactly. We steal his content. We talk right down here. I love it. You, dude, you know what's crazy is water snakes are like the toughest little critters ever. Yeah. yeah. I, why they're so successful. You ever caught She's one by the tail? looking really good. Was that crazy? You ever caught one by the tail in the wild before? They'll like death roll the tail off. 
Yeah. I've done a couple times with uh, the northern water snakes out here. If you keep them like right on the edge of the tail, instead of like trying to flip around to bite you, they'll just death roll and like crap yeah. all the bones off their tail and just. Dude, the freaking Jansen, I do that when I tail them. And I'm like, I have to like let go of the tail every couple of rotations so I don't, it doesn't like freaking snap their spine. Yeah. Oh my god. But you're like trying to keep them from, you're like trying to stop them from like falling, but they're like rolling and so you have to like loosen their grip until they're like back normal and they just. God. Yeah, that's every single wild caught melanota ever. I've never had that experience, though. Thank Whoa. God. Uh, the Reptile Gumbo Podcast wants to know: What is your favorite commercially available product, reptile slash amphibian product, and why? Hmm. Mine's a reptile, hundred percent. I like Port City Pet Bedding. Next. <laughs> I do I like, like his his, his springtail food. His springtail food is ridiculous, dude. My springtails go absolutely nuts. I think Joe's Aspen is like better than the, the other ones I found available, but Raptor Chip is my go-to. But I mix it with Aspen for my colubrids. Um, but yeah, I just really like I like Raptor Chip. I think it's convenient and it's it's a lot cleaner than a lot of the other ones I've used. I think Phil and I are in the same boat. I'm a I'm a Home Depot Harper. Like Home Depot Harper. Yeah, man. Like I don't really buy the commercially available stuff. I go to the garden store of uh, Home Depot. So uh, do you get the cypress bedding and then you put it in pan pan and bake in the oven? Uh, no, because it comes with uh, springtails. You don't. Oh, bioactive. Dude, you something crazy. So. I, I do the same thing with my uh, retics. I get the cypress bedding, but I'm weird. I bake mine for like 20 minutes on like 270. It makes me, it makes me feel better. Uh, and I was so, I did that. I threw it in the, the cage for my Sula. I go for like, and I'm that person, like I spot clean the shit out of stuff. And this, you know, it seemed like the moment I changed my bedding for my retics, they're restless, they're shitting everywhere, they're pissing all over the glass. It's just terrible. So I let them just feel comfortable and cozy. And then, like, after a month, I'm like, okay, you get new bedding. And I found a literal disc from a plow in this fucking bag of mulch from fucking Lowe's one day. I was like, oh. really? Yeah. Oh. It was a whole disc from the plow. It was on my Snapchat story forever. I was like, God damn. That's great. Thank God they don't charge by the pound, right? Dude, no shit, right? <laughs> they were like, they were like 10 pounds. So, Casey, so your pick is Home Depot yellow label Cypress mulch? No, it's the, it's the blue no fault, no float stuff. Oh, okay. I would be torn because if I, if we're if we're if we're keeping it to actual herber stuff, I would say get hooked snake hooks. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but playing with all the snake hooks and snake tools that I've worked with over the years, that's they're hands down. It's tip top. And I really like as dumb as it sounds, I have fallen in love with that drawer puller. That drawer puller, I was like, this is the most gimmicky shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I'm dead serious. My That's hilarious. I, I bought it, and I was like, this is gimmicky as fuck. You talk I'm shit about that so much. And it, Dude, I used it more than any other hook in the room. Because <laughs> even on, like, I use it on fishing cages. I use it on drawers. I use it on everything. I use it, like I was telling you know, people, but like a shepherd's crook, like using it to touch key points of the animal to make them go in the direction that I want them to go. And then if I have to use it as a, as a hook, I, I mean, it's kind of shitty to use as a hook, but I physically can. 
So, like, I would say that's probably my pick. Get hooked, snake hooks. Drop away. I keep hearing okay. this guy saying this shit scared out of me. Ghosts. So, what's the next question? <clears throat> How did your trip there go? Oh, no, I thought, I thought we had more questions for James. No, that was the question. I thought he had two questions. I thought there was four of them. No, four of us need to answer two questions. They have, yeah. I'm sorry. Your pick and why. My pick was Draco and Bible and Cold. Yes, yeah, so those are really good, too. It's good. It's good. Dude, okay. Good. I am absolutely, and I told David this the other day because I talked to David a lot. I was like, dude, these Ganyasoma and these Boiga are doing so well in these Python portal tub setups. Like, I was, I figured the Python portals would work for the Ganyasoma, but I wasn't positive they do well. But those things are doing flawlessly so far. Granted, it's only been a month or so, but those things are doing really well. You know, with the, 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 the mounted hides, um, like they're just, they're, they're working great. I have my crested gecko in a setup with the Python portal and then I also have one of my green trees, but I, they, they're awesome. I mean, all of his products are incredible. Yeah. The, uh, the purchase that he made me for the Cambro tubs, yeah. they are so perfect. And the snakes use them exactly how you'd want them to exactly how Brahms designed them to be like, they're just, they're perfect because there's so many places that fit into tubs and they're so close to the ceiling. And it's great if you have a chondro, but like my arboreal vipers, they, they, they don't, they don't coil and point downwards. They're like, like, they're like Amazons. They want three, at least three points of contact. They want yeah. exactly. And like some of them ball up almost like a, almost like a rattlesnake coil on top of like one or two perches. But most of them too, they sprawl out. Yeah. They like festoon themselves in a canopy kind of way. So awesome. Um, and James was asking again, excuse me, what snake hook? I was saying, get hooked. Here is actually my custom made snake hook specifically for me. Um, and yes, it is very simplistic, but as far as I'm concerned, it's the only one in the world like this, which makes me feel super special. Um, it's a 32-inch shaft with a lambkin uh, grip butter as the grip. <laughs> and then I actually need to take a picture of the hook head itself, but the hook head is a traditional C-style hook. However, I had the foot of the hook lengthened and canted outward, almost like a check mark. And I have a particular thought process to that because I, I'm very technical in my head in terms of, you know, the snake technique and snake handling technique. So like that worked best for me, in my opinion. Um, here is another picture of me holding it. Look at that handsome fella. Um, and you can see how- What a cutie. Is that on your Tinder? No, it is not on my Tinder. Gotta get it up there. You can see how it's a traditional C, but the foot is lengthened and it's canted outward. Oh, and the tip is a perfect rounded, symmetrical uh, conical tip. So it looks very pointy. It's not. I'm not going to stab or impale any animals, but I like but yeah, that. I wanted I, I, as much as I love the chisel end on most snake hooks. For this particular hook with the species that I intend to use it with, I wanted the conical tip with that longer foot right here. Well, people um, don't realize too, like that 
having that sort of bullet tip on the end is actually really helpful. Yeah. Dude, I agree. It's easier to, it's easier to get under the snakes with it. Here's a little... Like, if you have to angle your hook more parallel to the ground... Right. It's still... Yeah, it just... It's small yeah. stuff. And don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm all about the chisel the chisel end of the hook. Like having a chisel tip is phenomenal for a wide assortment of species. Um, but I find that that really works well in a captive setting on a flat surface, like you know, your tile floor or whatever. Um, but the conical tip I wanted for more field stuff and more arboreal stuff. So this is a little teaser picture from the article that I will be producing on how they make them. That's going in this issue, right? No, it is not going in this issue because I have not same thing. Oh god. Shit. No, 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 no. Don't say that. What? Wow. Now he's gonna be now he's gonna be calling people for reviews. If anybody knows who I should have for the industry spotlight supplement issue. There's now a slot open. Oh, well, dude, if you, if you, if, if I thought you had one already, that's why I, oh. I didn't start writing it. Oh, well, then I'll write it. Don't worry. I'll get it done. We got like two weeks left. I got it done. You do. God, tension. Cut it with a friggin' machete. James also asks, what type of reptile slash amphibian products do you think are missing or need improvement in the hobby? I have an answer for this one that I started writing and then I just didn't want to finish it. Um, I think a um, pulse like type thermostat that's less expensive for new keepers. Because I think the biggest issue that I see in a lot of people um, getting into the hobby is that they have heat issues. And it's because of a lot of the cheaper, like under $100, $120 thermostats or on-off thermostats. You're not getting like the dimmer included in it. And a lot of people don't want to spend the money if they just have like one ball python from Petco. So I think like a $50 nice pulse or dimmer thermostat would be my answer. I think Americans need to get on the uh, the outdoor cage train like the Australians do. I, I really want to do some of those because I watch a lot of videos from the, from the Australian guys. And I'm not going to lie, like that seems really beneficial to a lot of the animals they have more room they have the ability to sun themselves when they want to the only issue i think i would have down here would be uh like except from raccoons but yeah, I really want to do some yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you'd have to pour like almost a concrete pad and like cement a fence into the pad so raccoons could not dig into stuff and get into the cages and shit like they would dig their way in and then just have a big hole for the python to escape yeah. Right, and that's my biggest like worry is like you really have to go over once you built it, like make sure there is nowhere for them to like, get out, and then regularly check if you're using wire or something like that. That's not like rusting through or anything. Like that. It's just I don't, I don't like it is cool, but I, to me, in my opinion, like, personally, I think it's just it's too much. It's too much. I want to try it, but I know that there's a lot of. I also have that fear of like I know I'm a little irresponsible sometimes. I'm afraid that I wouldn't properly lock the cage. <laughs> terrible, terrible answer. Terrible answer. I know it is right, but I like I know myself. That's why I don't keep venomous. I will get. I'll tell you what though. I uh, although 
most of my animals that I keep would be illegal for me to keep outside. I'm too paranoid to have stuff outside. I am. Unless it's unless it's native to Florida, I can't because that's where rac- raccoons do. They would totally. Oh yeah. Oh, dude. Raccoons walked off of one of my mom's pond turtles. And this, yeah. is, like a, this is like a six or seven pound turtle. Have you Gone. seen what they do to chickens? Mm-hmm. They freaking uh, grab a chicken, pull its head through the wire, bite the head off, and then leave the body. Or if it's a small enough chicken, they'll literally just rip that shit through the chicken wire. Like, it's insane. Crazy. Fucking little monsters is what they are. Yeah. Yeah. See, I like Basically, a giant raccoon. I don't think this is stop Here's the thing: if they broke into one of my, if like, for some reason, I finally put my animals outside, they'd be like break into like the retic closure, and then the retic. I'd have to worm the retics because they ate a raccoon. <laughs> He'd piss like, you know how much panic here? It takes a dose of sixty pound snake, like a whole bottle. <laughs> Dude, I really think, which just till recently, because I was saying it's forever. Um, the new who's it? Zillow Exoterra <laughs> micro enclosure. Goddamn, Mike, that's savage. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Those oh little, are you talking about the little plastic ones for like arachnids and stuff? Yes, that's pretty cool. Because here's the thing I thought forever because I was gonna get one for the decay snake when I moved in. It was gonna like have like a little like disc set up to have the decay in like the large size, but you know how that worked out. But I think those are really cool because it was. But especially like to keep like micro species, like mm-hmm. little tiny lizards or little tiny snakes, which is, you know, I don't give a fuck about things with legs. You know, eight legs, I don't give a fuck about that. But the snakes and lizards, that'd be cool. Little geckos or five they'd line be, things. They'd be cool little, like, I don't know how watertight they are, but they'd be nice little, like, grow out cages for, like, thumbnail dark frogs and stuff. Or hey, for you, you could tell people like, hey, like, what, like, what's a good tub for my first conjure? Because I don't know how airtight they are or the ventilation. But if you could like tell, tell like tell people like how to make it halfway hold uh, humidity, dude, imagine that well, for like a conjure baby because everybody wants that cage they can look at. Well, Dreamcoat Plastics makes like small setups like that, and that's what I kept one of my green trees in until she grew out of it. Um, and I like theirs; they're made of acrylic. And they get really great for like anything small. And I think they don't have quite the price tag that anything like Zilla or Exoterra would. And I like that they're made of acrylic. It's just kind of nice because they're very, very light. I, I don't know. I mean, like a lot of the stuff I keep, they, that, that sort of darkness of a rack really makes a big difference in terms of them eating and oh, yeah. what all they're supposed to. So. I think with just juvenile snakes in general, just like it dark and secluded till they get their confidence. That is an awesome dowel. So that, ladies and gentlemen, I honestly have been thinking about making one of these for years. Um, I first saw this watching a behind the scenes thing at Australia Zoo. That is what- some paper towel roll holders. That is what I've been told is called a pole pinner. And Scott just sent me this, that's one of his. I don't know if that's the real name that's I was told they're called, but basically it's a pinning tool and they make them in multiple different lengths where you don't have to fumble with the rubber band U-shaped, you know, tool of a traditional pinner or using the back of a hook, which is very rigid and can damage the snake. Basically you could put this on a snake's body to make it pause, or you can put it on the snake's head to actually stop it in tracks and, you know, get it by the head, whether it's venomous or not venomous. But I feel like this tool is, 
crucial, not crucial, but this tool is would, would be very helpful in our hobby if we had it here in the States. And some people may have it, some people don't, I don't know, but uh, I think that it has a lot of applications, not just with snakes. You could use it for a wide assortment of stuff. And Scott has corrected me, they refer to it as a jigger. That's for you making cocktails. Get out of here with that. Right? That's for uh, mashing up your old fashions. Exactly. I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head as far as like things that are missing or need improvement. Um, Dude, we got snake sausages for God's sakes. What else do we need? Like fish people have. We need like better multi-spectrum lights and the ability to actually ramp up. Like I've seen some of the um, the marine aquarium people where they'll have it like it's a morning to evening cycle instead of just straight like light comes on, light comes off. Took Dude. the words out of my mouth. Casey. I would like that. Like for the dark frog and stuff, have like a sunrise sort of setting where that light slowly comes on. Hold on, mm -hmm. I gotta show you something. Same thing at night. I have like ten thousand dollar Yeah, they have like I have a friend that has solar and he has yeah, and he has LEDs that cycle with the moon. So like depending on the gibbous of the moon, it casts it casts the appropriate amount of moonlight in relation to literally the days of the month, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, I actually found a light, and I've been looking at it pretty heavily, for one, for like my obsession with fish tanks recently, but also I was uh, at the Newport Aquarium with Dominique, and I was looking around at some of the LED fixtures in some cages, and I realized the light spectrum in a couple of these reptile cages actually had a, it was a, a white, blue, red, and green LED. So, I'm trying to find this light that I saw. Jesus Christ, here it Did is. Did you find it? Because I can just ask the keeper. Well, I mean, I did, it's probably a big light, but this is just something I've seen in a, a similar concept. Hold on. Well, Have you seen, Casey, I feel like you'd like this, the Neptune systems for reef keepers now? I have not seen that. I don't really... It's, it's like an all-encompassing, like, tests everything for you automatically. It runs your lights. It has, like, a microcomputer that runs within it and, like, logs up to your phone so you can be anywhere in the world and, like, check the temps, like check the protein skimmer, check, check all of your chemicals. It's insane. They are like more expensive than the fish tanks sometimes. The setup's crazy, but really, really, really cool. Yeah, it'd be like the only way I could keep salt water is I'd have to have something that would like automatically keep up with that stuff because I would be stupid <laughs> to do it one day. Yeah, here's, here's a light I found. It's called the Aqua Illumination Prime 16 HD Reflight LED. Um, so what this thing is cool it is a a white, a blue, a green, a ultraviolet, and a red LED uh, all incorporated into one little unit. Uh, and so the cool thing about it is they're about this big, and I think it's like 80 watts because it's a high power reef LED. But the cool thing is you can get cool plant growth. You got that. Um, I mean. It, you can see the animals probably way better. You probably get way more coloration in your enclosure with it. And there's an app. Now, hear me out, kids. Hear me out. This app lets you have ramp-ups and cool-downs. So you can literally time it where you can start your light comes on at 6, and it's like a pulse thermostat. So you can have it rise up, 
and have a peak at 12 and run your peak for three or four hours and then start decreasing till eight o'clock at night. Nice. But the problem is uh, this one is $209 without a uh, fixture to hold it. <laughs> I'm like, I want one so bad for building a cage, but God damn, it's so expensive. I've also thought about going to, uh, instead of a 24 hour heater or a 24 hour, um, like light timer, thermostat timer thing, I would switch over to a uh, seven-day one so you could actually make it so that, say, like, you can almost simulate a cloudy day certain days whenever you're trying to start cooling things down. Like, say, you make it so that your lights only turn on for six hours on Thursday every week, and then the next week it turns up so, like, Thursday and Friday, and, like, change it up like that versus changing the exact... uh, exact time of day it turns on every single day okay you know what I mean? well i have so a lot of my coworkers are photographers and they have handheld and mounted lighting for photography that you can actually set the calendar and they do a lot of like trick photography and stuff where they'll, the camera's on a tripod and they have a remote for the shutter and they can delay the shutter time and then correspond the shutter time with the handheld uh, lighting element, and they can adjust the Calvins with their thumb or a, a remote or whatever. And I've actually thought about where, obviously, you're not going to be able to do with LEDs and produce heat because LEDs don't produce heat. But if you wanted to do like your cloudy day or whatever, you could program it and then have it sync up with the rain with the rain misting system, or whatever. And that way, you can literally have it get bright as hell at noon or two o'clock in the afternoon when it's peak sun time and or have a storm come through, have it become overcast by changing the Calvin, dimming the light, and then have it correspond with the misting system. I mean, this is something, same thought process, but that that whole, literally, it looks like a, looks like a little mini, like, tennis racket, and it's just like 100 LEDs. And then there's a digital button on the bottom of a handle, and you could just set it from like one to 20,000 or whatever the Calvin thing is, the Calvin spectrum. And like it, you can do different colors too, like definitive colors of the of the hues. Yeah, and Thomas um, Irvin was saying that you could make that with an Arduino. You can definitely program that with an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi if you wanted to do like a microcomputer with it, and it's not too difficult to learn. And I think a Raspberry Pi unit goes for like fifty to a hundred bucks nowadays. I think it's one forty for a complete one. I looked at it the other day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one forty for the whole setup. Yeah, that's it's one fully assembled for you. Okay. Yeah, and I mean they're they're not expensive and it's not very difficult to learn or it wouldn't be expensive to pay someone else to just do it for you. Well what's really crazy is right now, uh because y'all are making fun of me from a fish fucking podcast, but there's uh there was one other day on I think called the Felix control system, which is uh, the 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 reef pie, the fish raspberry pie. But this guy, he's made it like where he did all the programming and is selling it. So you just buy a plug and play for him, and he sells controllers. You can have like a salinity controller, um, a pH controller, a nutrients for uh, corals and stuff. But apparently, he's also developing it right now. It was supposed to release in July, but he said because of COVID, his launch got messed up. But he's making a terrarium controller for reptile keepers. So it'll be called Felix and. Uh, it's, it was pretty neat from what he was talking about. So, because you could, he was talking about they were going to plug and play with uh, Apple Maps. So, you could be like, you know, Phil could be like, all right, I got my type and I'm going to set the, you know, set it to Brisbane or whatever. 
and yeah. have it you know heat and cool to the cycles of Brisbane based off Apple Maps. Yeah, well, that's what we had the Sungazers, the museum. Um, the Sungazers, we had the solar glow, like 150 or 200 solar glows, really, really powerful ones, mm-hmm. up with the air conditioning unit, the recycling fan, and a misting system that we jerry-rigged. And it was all linked up to, a, a, I think it was a division of Weatherbug. And it wasn't specific to the region, but you could pick a town. So like we chose Pretoria, South Africa. And if it rained in Pretoria, it rained in the cage. If it got a cold snap, the lights would, would turn off and the AC would kick off. And like it was all based for indoor horticulture. So like if you're in the city and you have tomato plants in your kitchen or whatever, it would, and you had little sprinkler units, you could sync it up to this app and run it that way. Um, but real quick, I was going to say, if I may, uh, Billy said that his saltwater tank uh, has dusk, dawn, moon, and moonlight settings, and he can have them on a timer. So now, Billy, is that all one unit in the hood? And then is the timer one timer to control all three, or does each one have its own timer? So, sorry, I just want to get that in there. And I have to jump in and say, I got to run. I have homework to do at midnight. Um, it was a pleasure. It was lovely. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Bye, Dom. Bye, Dom. Bye. I got to do Bye. piano homework, so uh-huh. I'll see you guys. Bye. Oh, I pressed the wrong button. Can people stop selling Halloween phase Amazon tree bulbs? It's Halloween phase Amazon tree bulbs. What's wrong with that? It's not real. What do you mean it's not real? Halloween phase Amazon tree bulb. When it's a baby, it looks no different than any other garden phase Amazon tree bulb. It's I thought it looked black and orange as an adult. No, dude, that disappears. Really? Yes, it is purely a selling tag. I just saw one on phone. I'm like, that is. People are going to be so disappointed when they buy a Halloween phase and then they're like, oh, in two years, that's a regular dark phase. Okay. Yeah. I don't do boas. I can't. I'm getting really into them. Like, for some reason, all the stuff I'm getting interested in right now are uh, live bears. Dude, live bearing is awesome. It is. I mean, I've never successfully had it happen before because I, uh, my blue tongue stink slowed down earlier this year. Uh, actually, happened last time I was on this podcast. So. I remember. I remember. <laughs> the uh, I, I like them a lot just because, like, not not because I don't have to incubate. Like, obviously, that's cool. Like, you don't have to do that part of the job per se. But I like it because it's. You get to really watch the motherly stuff, if there is motherly stuff. And like, I'm very eager to, in the next year or two, go, go going back to freaking Cottonmouths. I really want to produce Cottonmouths and I want to do, because I've never done it personally, but there's so much maternal data on them from people in the wild, like going to the same creek every single day and checking on like the little, little nook in the side of the creek bank. And it's like mom and four babies. And like mom is just sitting there, the babies are chilling. And like they'll sit like a girl came up and they'll watch the babies come out. The babies will look around and like bask. Mom will come out and like make sure the coast is clear. And then they all come back into the den with mom. And like 
you don't see that in snakes. I mean, and if you do, it's 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 usually by accident or unique species or whatever. I just stuff like that too, like fascinates me. I feel like if they dropped eggs and they walked away, they would never know. You know what I mean? So, what is your favorite North American venomous? What's my favorite North American venomous? Yeah. Oh, it's tough. Um, I want to honestly just say Florida cottons, and I've I've worked with westerns and like one Eastern, like I don't even know if it really was an Eastern, it could have just been like a good looking Florida, but Florida cottonmouths, I want to say that, but there's so much stuff out West that I've never worked with in the field. And like, I've never owned personally in captivity. So like, uh, Arizona black rattlesnakes are pretty freaking cool. I've only ever played with like four or five in my life. And like, they were all not mine. And I don't know. I don't know. Right now, I would say probably, probably Florida cotton. I think the southeast shore is the coolest stuff. I know everybody's all about the the west coast rattlesnake and stuff like that, but I gotta say, man, pygmy rattlesnakes—they're super cool to me. Like, dude, I love especially them. the North Carolina ones. And dude, dude, you saw that? You saw that red one that that uh, uh, was in the? Let me put it in the group chat recently. I did. Uh, Noah Fields found it. I think. Oh, is that who it was? I think it was Newell Fields, yeah. So was what? Where was that? Was that up by you, or was that like more east by like Athens? No, no. I think that was actually in North Carolina. I don't know exactly where it was. But. Okay. Because like I've got friends that you know are like in Athens area, and dude, some of the pictures they've shown me are just red as can be. Just I want to go find those so bad. Dude, we got to do it. Got to do it. Let's say I also. Down. What's that? I said I'm completely down. Yeah. I also really, really love Bob Rye. Um, and I think that if I got more of them and work with them more, I think they would, they might be my top pick. But I would say as of right now, I'd say probably Florida Cotton. Clobs are what? Rock rattlesnakes and shit? Yeah. Banded Rock. Banded Rock. I have a Franklin Mountain locality male that I've been trying to get a girlfriend from for him for years. And like every time there's a window for me to get one, like this specific Franklin Mountain locality, I miss my window or I don't have the money or whatever. And I was actually talking to Kyle about it and Kyle had produced some this year. I missed it. So he's looking to have more in a couple months. And he's also looking to have a couple that he's growing up a little bit in a couple months. So probably like end of the month, maybe, maybe even on October, I might hit him up and see what he's got and try and get him a girlfriend. Cause my snake is probably, 10 or 11 now so but he says not to worry about age because they live like forever and a lot of them hit their peak sexual maturity at around nine ten years old so hey man we got we got 62 year old ball pythons laying parthenogenic clutches so there's hope is that is that true 62 did you see that article no oh yeah it went viral on facebook there's a ball python from st louis zoo that was supposedly 62 years old they had a partho clutch. Wow. Did they incubate? I think they are. I think they're incubating, yeah. Like right now, they're currently cooking? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was because I shared it just to be like kind of like a, like on warning to people who buy snakes is like, oh, I'm going through a hard time in life. I'm going to buy a pet snake. Yeah. So it's like it's not good for your manic pixie uh, dream girl phase, but. <laughs> I was like, just a warning. These are last longer than your dog and cat combined. Jeez. 
So, all right, so Casey says Carolina Red Pig. I say Florida Cotton. Cox, what do you say? I mean, I love Copperheads for anything. That's why I, I, I've never found a, I've never found any hot in the wild ever. So that's my goal is to find a Kentucky Copperhead. That's all I want to find. You guys have that one locality, what is it, northeastern Kentucky, where it's like this crazy barren purple and like slate gray purple co- uh, Copperhead. You know what I'm talking about? I, I've heard you mention it a few times, but I've never actually seen Dude, it. I, I, I got to find a picture. picture. Those those are so, so awesome. They don't look – obviously, DNA is one thing, but, like, if you put them in the in the lineup for, like, what is a different species, just by looking at it, it looks like a completely different – they're so cool. Well, there's a really interesting thing that goes on in Kentucky because uh, in, like, the formation of the Ohio Valley, like, all the glaciers receded down after the right. ice age. And they pushed up all the knobs in the center of the state. There's actually like a lot of isolated pockets. Like we have a population of like corn snakes that are basically isolated from because of king snake populations all around them. And the king snakes don't come up on this knob, so there's just this super like I think it's like Hart County, Kentucky has this population of corn snakes, and they're really deep red. They're crazy looking. It's like a it's a it's an oasis effect, kind of like the bread lie thing, where you know they're insulated on this little pocket and they just don't ever leave. Yeah, that's awesome. What, that? what, what, what would I look up if I was trying to find that to show you? I, I have no clue. Oh, for the corn snake thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would maybe Hart County corn snake. Okay, let me see if I can get some. H A R T. Everybody's doing this stuff, though. I feel like I feel like timbers are still so underrated as far as a North American snake. I would concur. Those animals. I mean, it's like our nation's snake. I feel. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah flag and everything. Metallica wrote a freaking song about it. It's true, man. It's very true. Cox, I'm not finding anything that looks different. It all looks like normal corn snakes. Um, but real quick, since Justin threw that picture up, that's actually a cotton that I got like two weeks ago. I went up. Oh, I did not keep him. He's too big to keep. But. There's just something about every single time I encounter one of the wild, like, yeah, it's usually the same thing. They coil up, they they mouth gape, they get pissy. But then, like, once I start interacting with them, it's so different than other snakes. It's almost like they they realize, like, oh, this guy's not going to eat me. I can chill out, but I'm still going to keep my guard up because I don't trust this big, giant monkey. You know what I mean? And uh, I just love, I just love interacting with them. I mean, and like this one came out of uh, uh, South Collier County, which is like just south of Naples area. And uh, and dude, like the bands on this, like for a Florida, most Floridas are just black and ugly. This thing just looked so good. And it's so happy to see you. Oh, it was not pleased in the least capacity whatsoever. <laughs> so. I love Akisha John in general. Akisha John are just so cool. I can't find that one unique copper uh, copperhead, but Justin, what's your pick? Oral snakes. Eastern? Yeah. Yeah, boy. The American Cobra. Which is funny because, like, I'd never, I have no interest in keeping a Lavitz. Corals are my favorite native. Oh, I found it. I found it. 
So this is what I was talking about, that northeast Kentucky. So he's about to pull up the uh, the timber copperhead cross from Kentucky Gertozzi by accident. That is so fucking dope. What the fuck? Yo. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. Whoa. 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 Flicker. Stop. What is going on there? And that is, that's pretty much what they almost all look like. Some of them have more distinct actual saddles. Um, some of them have a second set of blotches that run, you know, the, the lateral line of the animal. Um, from what I gather, the head is never really copper. It's almost that, that slate tan color. Mm -hmm. um, but dude, like how awesome is that animal? Dude, where it, so there's probably not like a location. There is, all, there's, or, there's our county. It, it's well, it's funny you mentioned that because, like, the guys pulled up on my naturalist. Pulled up on my naturalist, all right. Hold on. There's a lot of my naturalists for like the Mammoth Cave area because that's a national park, so a lot go there. Um, but yeah, that's dude, you might have just caused a problem for me. I'm gonna have to go road tripping. That's dope. Oh, it's so red. <laughs> Corona. Coronavirus. This is like Men in Black when he's spying on his ex-wife. Oh my god. Oh, what am I doing? Huh. I don't know what you're doing, sir. You've lost your daughter. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's you gotta go a little higher. I can go a little up. I, I'm trying to... I'm used to doing this on a, on a cell phone, so... Hold on. Uh, Phil, Bill wants to know yeah. why that, that cotton is too big to keep. Uh, it's not too big to keep. Uh, it would probably do quite well in captivity because it has, it'll have no problem eating. But I personally have a moral thing where I don't like taking adults out of the wild because adults are what make more babies and keep the species going, you know? So that's just my personal opinion. I just looked at my phone. I forget we have a 30 second lag on this thing. All right. So hold on. I'm in Augusta. Yeah, you got way far north, buddy, there. All right, is there a way that I can, is there a way that I can change this to go show? Up, go up top. Yeah. Search bar. It should be a location. Oh yeah, look at that. <laughs> Jesus, Phil. Look, I'm analog, guys. Okay, just bear with me. Ah uh, shit! Here we go. Look at this Google Play. Must that whole section be blacked out, like Area 51? Right. That's Daniel Boone Forest right there. Yeah, it looks like the Daniel Boone Forest. Kentucky would have a national park. Daniel Boone Forest. Then we got Mammoth Cave. Uh, I think there might be one like out in eastern Kentucky in the mountains. Try to see if I can just find it on this version here. It's from what I gather, the guys that know where they are, they don't tell anybody. Um, it's probably one of those knobs you were talking about that, like, is just isolated from everybody. Yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, all these are looking pretty normal. I think there's one near me. Hey. See that? God, I wish I could poke, poke the thing right now. Where, where do you want me to go? Talk to me. 
See where it says Interstate 65 right there towards the middle of the screen? Right here? No. Up. Up and to the right. Oh, here. Yeah, that's right about where I live. Anything cool? Anything cool up there? Go God, Lebanon Junks, and get the fuck out of here. Here, banjos. Yep, nothing cool. Yeah, Bill, they are. Now, you know what? Let me just do this. Let me let me go to Eastern area because they're saying it's like up on like the border. Okay. Yeah. That's like up in here, I guess. Well, if it's on the border, it's probably actually more down. See down there to your right, those two little spots. It's probably in that area. That's where you get a lot of your uh, really remote mountainous areas. I'm trying to click it, it's not letting me. That's because it hates mm -hmm. Oh, no, no. Go back in. <laughs> no, Grandma, no. No, Daddy, no. I can't stop it. Oh, uh, that's it. I'm done. I give up. That's it. I'm out. No I ran out of that commodity. Oh. But you guys saw right. it. Cool, right? Boomer. <laughs> so I'm looking at the chat, and uh, Scott Eifer's talking about how brittles are uh, a lot more widespread than people realize. I kind of wish you would come in and kind of explain that a little more. I've kind of got my own like little ideas based on some stuff I've seen. I just want to I wish you kind of chime on a little more about that. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, it's Scott, if you can join, I mean, if I don't know what you're doing. What's it? What time is it there? It's probably like, like 11 AM, something like that. Midday. Yeah. Fucking lunchtime, buddy bear. Cause it wouldn't surprise me. Like since they, they really seem to be just such a river oriented species. Like I don't see why, that like little circle you see in the middle of the country is accurate. Like I could see them following the rivers pretty far north or pretty far south, but just no one's there. Like, yeah. Okay, saying in the Hearts Range. Where's the Hearts Range? Look that up. Go back to iNatural. Find the Hearts Range and. <laughs> I'm definitely not doing that because I have legit run out of that commodity. It's iNaturalist is so much easier on a phone. Maybe it's because I'm using a, a laptop and I have a little mouse pad and not an actual mouse. There's also a place, uh, if you read the original description, they're in a place called the Granites, which is like way far north of where that little like stereotypical dot in Australia you see is. I found see, it I don't know where it is. Yeah, I remember listening to Morelia Python Radio and Mutton mentioned that. It might be the round table you all were on. Uh, but yeah, he was mentioning that, and I was like, I was super curious about that. He's like, yeah, there's only one they found there, and they just stuck it in a jar. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, it's never talked about again. Justin, I found another aberrant, if you want to throw it up. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I have a Southern that was a gift, and I enjoy him. He's a cute little viper. But, dude, this thing's awesome. I want this thing. I'm going to call it the leopard, and uh, if we can get two of those, say there's a super leopard, we'll be millionaires. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's also kind of deceiving how big the animal is, because like you really can't tell how, how these leaves are. So like I've seen ones that were like four foot or like three and a half foot, and they were exactly like that. So clearly it's not something that they age out of. 
You know what I mean? Oh, this is interesting. Aboriginal land that you cannot get into. Okay, okay, okay. I'm very well known for going to places I'm not supposed to be like that, so... Uh, Casey, stop. <laughs> That's cool. Dude, it's crazy. The saddles are, like, outlined in, like, that rust color. Yeah, it's very green. I mean, it could be white balance, but that's really green looking. I like that. It's um, like that, that uh, Cox, that, that picture we just posted, the guy who posted on Flickr says undisclosed location. Fuck off. Yeah. I hate it when they do that. Like, you can't just say, like, the county, you know what I mean, or something. Like, like It could have been his backyard. You don't got to say that. I get it, but then I'm like, I'm like you bugger. Scott says, uh, Casey Scott says that it was Aboriginal land that you can't get access to. Legally. You, you cannot legally get that. Uh, touche. Touche. I mean, it, it sounds like somewhere like out here in the, the southeast where you go and you'll get shot for going, but you know it's yeah. nice and worth it. Yeah, but here we get to shoot back. That's true. Well, not on public property. Not That's called murder. You shoot somebody for trespassing on their property. Oh my god. Somebody shoots you for being on the wrong place of public property that's called they had a moonshine still. Scott says there are no roads for hundreds of kilometers, so access is fucked. That explains it. Get to walking. No, I, I guarantee you he's right, though. They have to be following those rivers. Yeah. So I feel like we're getting all pumped for this damn copperhead and jokes on us. It's it's, it's some shit that is just fucking did it the fuck out of the photo. Yeah, jokes on us. It's actually in like Ohio or something. <laughs> or it's a, a natural integrate of a copperhead and a uh, timber. Right, right. Well, Phil, was it you who had hadn't ever heard about that and like we mentioned that in the chat one day? Yeah, I think so. Well, because like I've seen the Eastern Cambrai crosses. And I've seen the Southern Copperhead Cottonmouth crosses, you know, the Cottonheads. Um, but I know I hadn't seen the uh, the other one. It's no, I remember seeing a picture of that. It was from some, like, museum or something like that, where they kept the uh, timber and a, I think a Northern Copperhead together. And they had a baby. It looked really oh. weird. It had, like, a little button of a, of a rattle, but it wasn't there yet. Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, I remember Cox, you sent it in our group chat, and it was a, it was a, uh, uh, like a nature center. I remember it was a wooden enclosure, and it was copulation of a jet black cottonmouth and a timber. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> I don't remember who it was or where it was, and I don't know if any offspring were produced. Well, I know. Uh, I want to say one came from a Tennessee zoo that like got out of venomous, and so they gave it to Kentucky Reptile Zoo take care of and it's there now on display you can see it there which i've never been there and i want to just go for one but that's cool as fuck too and uh i just like i think that, that it's so weird it's such a weird cross to be cross genus like that but i mean you look at Morelia and chondro python 
what? <laughs> he said, what? <laughs> it took you a minute to catch that one. I wasn't going to say a damn word. <laughs> Just, he's got a 30 second delay. I'm looking at corn snakes on iNaturalist. What about the cow? Probably huh? some rat snakes. Speaking of iNaturalist, I was looking at New Zealand today. You guys know there's five species of kiwi birds? What? There are five species of kiwi birds. I thought there was just one. Really? Yeah, I didn't know this. That's actually pretty cool. Those things are freaking adorable. Here, I just found this. I wanted to tell you, talk to you guys about this too. This picture is very old, and another one was recently found. But how awesome is that? Is that a coral snake? That is a eastern coral snake from Martin County. Oh, that's cool. So and there was there was another one recently that was the whole thing was yellow with black, and like the head was even just yellow, and it was like two or three little black lines on it, and uh, that I think came out of Hillsborough County. Which is like Tampa area. Yeah. I see a lot of pictures of the barren coral snakes popping up. I don't yeah. know if they like since they're fossorial, they're able to survive with weird patterns, kinda like uh, a lot of the pythons do. Yeah. And that seems to pop up more than any other like venomous snake I've seen. Yeah, I, I would say that. I've also seen a, a couple guys that were showing I don't know if it was uh, some kind of like heat positive or like leucistic cottons, because we, we have leucistic cotton moths in captivity that all stems from wild caught babies that were aged up. But these are people showing like three, four foot cottons that are white in the wild. And like you could see where they have discoloration from UV exposure or like they have algae growing on them that we wouldn't normally notice. And like it gives like a weird gray or like a, a greenish hue to the sides of them. But that's crazy that white snake survives to three foot long, you know? Do you see the, uh, there was a yellow one with green eyes. I know I posted that in our chat. Uh, mm, I, I remember. I'm gonna yeah, find that. green eyes, so it wasn't an albino. Yeah. You guys have fun. It is 11 o'clock. I have work in the morning. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Nice talking to you fellas. Y'all have a good night. You too. <clears throat> well, yeah. All right, so we're calling it? Oh, we're shutting yeah, it. All right. Closing time. Time to go to Chili's and shout out <laughs> my fucking boy. I was by Chili's Day. I almost took a picture and sent it to you. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, ribs. Oh, fuck. Chili's baby, baby back, back, ribs. Barbecue sauce. On that note, on that note, we're done. Good night, everybody. See you later. See y'all.